Today, friends, we come to the conclusion of our current sermon series entitled Spiritual Body Building. We've been working at this since the beginning of January, working our way through the list of spiritual gifts as described in the New Testament, particularly within Paul's letter to the church at 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, the church at Corinth, as well as other locations within the New Testament that speak of these things called spiritual gifts. It's a variety of gifts. And they are given particularly to different members of his church. That includes you and me. They were described many, many years ago, but they play into our lives today and are essential in the life of our church. And I would encourage you to take a Bible as the ushers are making their way down the aisles today. We're going to be looking at some scripture, studying some places where we see these gifts at work to teach us what is meant by these spiritual gifts. Now, why do we need them? It's a really important question, one that we have been answering a little bit at a time as we've been working through our sermon series. But why in particular are these gifts given to the church? They're given so the church can be built up to fulfill its purpose. The church, which is the body of Christ. We're using that as a metaphor, of course, when we talk about spiritual bodybuilding, but I didn't come up with that metaphor. That's the Apostle Paul who described the church as the body of Christ, with Christ himself as the head. We together are a part of Jesus. We are given a mission by Jesus and through Jesus to accomplish in the world. So we as the body of Christ are called to fulfill the mission of Christ. And in order to do that, we need the Holy Spirit and every one of the gifts that he gives to us so that we can move forward in this mission. And it takes time to build up these gifts. We've talked about how when you are working out, it takes time to work those muscles. You may start from a place of being very weak where you have to begin with smaller amounts of weight or increase your number of repetitions, and slowly over time, you become more and more strengthened. The muscles begin to grow, and you're able to do more than you were before. This is what we are hoping for as the church. This is what we are asking God to do in us By calling out to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, come, give your gifts to your church. They are certainly here, friends. It's for us to discover how they are uniquely used in each one of our lives. So as we wrap up this particular sermon series, I want to encourage you to go back to the beginning of January, review this series. If you've missed any parts of it, I really want to encourage you, go back online and review those parts that you have missed, or perhaps review the entire sermon series. It is meant to stand together as one piece of teaching, and it's going to be very essential to our future as a congregation. So today, as we are wrapping up, we're talking about some particular gifts that are called gifts of inspiration. That's the title that we've given to them. Another way of referring to these gifts may be power gifts. Power gifts. Now, how does that relate to all the other gifts and the things that we have been talking about in spiritual bodybuilding? Well, back when I was in a small congregation in North Minneapolis, we used to have a team from time to time that would come out to bring evangelism messages, evangelistic messages to the community. 
And we would invite people from all around the community to come out and hear these messages because they were delivered in a very unique way by a group called a power team. Now, this power team was filled up with men who had incredible feats of strength that they could show to the group. They would do things like taking one of those thick phone books. For those of you under the age of 30, that's where we used to look to find phone numbers. <laughs> they take these big, thick phone books, and they would tear them in half with their bare hands. They would take things like hot water bottles, you know, the old red hot water bottles, and blow them up with their lungs until they exploded they would break baseball bats over their knee. They would bend rod iron across their necks. They would smash piles of concrete bricks. And then they would preach about Jesus. <laughs> it was impressive, friends. It was definitely impressive. They were doing things that most normal human beings could not do. It was a bit strange. It was outside of the boundaries of what we would normally be accustomed to. In some ways, that's what these particular gifts mean to us when we talk about them and when we see them revealed within Scripture. Let me give them names as we talk about them in particular today. They are the gift of miracles, the gift of healing, the gift of speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of of tongues. Now just on the surface level of hearing those terms, you might think this seems a little strange and maybe even a little scary. But I assure you they are real gifts because they're spoken of in the Bible. We didn't make them up. These are in the scriptures. They are described within the scriptures. They are practiced within the scriptures. They are real gifts. And they tend to lead sometimes to real controversy. When we think about things like miracles or gifts of healing, oftentimes our minds will go to some particular places like faith healers, like places where we've seen perhaps mocked in a movie at some point, or maybe we've witnessed and heard about by a televangelist who later turns out to be a fraud. And so we become skeptical. And when we talk about these gifts or start to bring them up within the church, people will often start to say, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. We're looking to become one of those churches, one of those places that do those weird and foolish things. The supernatural. Why do we become so cynical? Because no one wants to be fooled or look foolish. No one wants to be fooled or look foolish. That includes me. I'm sure it includes most of you within this room. We would prefer that things be the real thing. And so often we have seen bad copies of things that are supposed to be gifts from God 
that instead become manipulative things of men and of women. So it's important, friends, that we come humbly before God, humbly before these scriptures, and begin to understand why they are given to the church, the purposes that they are meant to show, revealing God's power for his glory. And when it comes to looking foolish, friends, we're called to be fools for Christ. There are things that we engage in that people all over the world look at as foolish, including what you are doing right now. Coming to a big room with a big cross, looking at a man dressed in strange clothes, talking about words from an ancient book. Some people would look at that and call it foolish. We call it faith. We call it faith. So let's look to these things. Let's be willing to be foolish, fools for Jesus. I'm willing to step into it if you are. Speaking of foolish things, they're looking to pour slime over my head (laughs) for the sake of the gospel. And they're coming after you, Pastor Angie. It's foolish, it's crazy, it's weird, and I'll do it every day if it helps advance the mission of Jesus. If it helps others know that God is real, that God's love is for them and true. Bring on that slime. So speaking of those things that start to get people a little bit nervous and feel a little foolish, let's dive right in this morning into this spiritual gift known as speaking in tongues. What does this mean? Well, let's look at the definition that was given to us by Life Keys, and then I'm going to further elaborate in my own words. Speaking in tongues, the ability to pray to God in a language known or unknown to others when one can no longer express oneself in one's own words. Well, that's clear as mud, right? What does this mean? What are we talking about? Well, let me see if I can make it just a little bit simpler. Speaking in tongues is praying in a heavenly language that only God understands. It's praying using words that only God understands and even in the place of the lack of words. We see this within Scripture. Let me read to you a couple of portions of Scripture. First of all, one that I don't actually have to turn to to read, but it's a pretty simple one. It's from the book of 1 Corinthians, and it comes right at the beginning of chapter 13. And it's just the first part of this chapter and the first part of this verse. And it says, When I speak in the tongues, or if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... So that means that there are languages that men and women speak. They speak all around the world. And there are also languages of the angels. Those are languages that people do not normally speak and do not normally understand. But Paul recognized them as being real. And then Paul further elaborates by talking in the book of Romans, his letter to the church at Rome, when he says these words in particular about this gift. 
In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Romans 8, 26, it says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he searches our hearts And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What does that mean? It means that there are times when we come before the Lord in prayer where we just don't have the words to pray. Maybe you've been at that place in your life at some time. It could be in a place of deep sorrow It could be in a place of great need. It could be in a place of depression or desperation where you come before God in prayer, in your own private prayer, and you say, God, I just don't know what to say anymore. And in that place, there may be sounds and vocalizations that come from deep within your heart that you just can't give words to. But God knows them. Why? Because it says the Spirit himself will intercede through you. God knows your heart. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on within you better than you know yourself. And he is able to speak through you in prayers to God that are clearly understood by God, even if not understood by us. We call that a private prayer language. That's another term used for that. Praying in a language that only God understands. Now, there are examples of this that show up within Scripture. There are examples that have occurred probably in some of your lives here today. For others, it might be something that is totally unusual, and that's okay. It's not that everybody has to do this all the time. But it is one of those gifts that God gives to the church, to his people, for the purposes of building up the body of Christ, for the purposes of the mission of Christ. So let's move on to the piece that goes right along with this, which is the interpretation of tongues. What does this mean? Well, let's look at the definition here. It says, the ability to interpret prayers spoken by spiritual means into understandable language. Here is where we distinguish between a private prayer language in tongues and the public display of the gift of tongues. When there is a public word, sometimes God chooses to share something with a larger group of people, more than one, it might be two or three or five, it could even be to an entire group or congregation, although in most of the context that we see here, it is in smaller groups of home churches. But where God gives a prayer to an individual within that group that is a prayer that they don't understand themselves, and they speak it out in such a way that those around can hear them. And in that context, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, there should be somebody there to interpret that tongue. 
to listen to those words, who is given the supernatural ability to hear those utterances, interpret them, and then share them in a language that people can understand. That's for public use. And if you want to know more specifically about this, I would encourage you, read the entire 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where Paul talks at length about this gift, about its importance, as well as about its significance and the proper way to use it, as well as its measurement towards other gifts. So there you have it. Are they real? Yes. Are they for today? Yes. Do you have to have them? No. Is it some spiritual litmus test of whether you are more spiritual than somebody else? No. But should we be open to whatever gift it is that God gives us? Yes. In fact, Paul says, eagerly seek the spiritual gifts. And he also says, I wish that all of you would pray in tongues. But he recognizes that there are also other gifts that for the public building up of the body are more important. So that's tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Powerful displays of God's power through human means that bring glory to God. Now let's talk about the other two, miracles and healing. And in these, we're going to be moving on into Scripture. So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 5. We're going to begin reading at verse 17. But before that, I want to give you a couple of definitions, again, to work with related to these two things. What is the gift of miracles? Well, miracles are the ability to call on God to do supernatural acts which glorify him. I can summarize it this way. Miracles are doing things only God can do. When God gives someone a supernatural capacity to do something that only God can do, that is a miracle. We read about them all throughout the Bible, and frankly, this is one of the areas that Bible interpreters struggle with the most. Why? Because we don't want to be fooled, and because so often we can come up with natural reasons for supernatural things. But there are things that occur in our lives and in our world that are just as real as the natural world, but where God particularly and purposely intervenes into our natural world. And when he does, we call those miracles. Something that God alone can do. And God chooses some people within his body to be those through which he displays those miracles. Again, not because they're special people, not because they're better than anybody else, but because those gifts are essential to the building up of the entire body of Christ by showing God's power, by showing his goodness, his love, and his immeasurable capacity to overcome whatever it is that is happening in our natural world by his will. We see it in Jesus. Two stories that stick out in particular are the one that we heard today, 
declared in the Gospel of Mark. If you're in the contemporary service, I'm hoping that it was read. But it's the calming of the storm where Jesus stands up in a boat and speaks to the weather and says, Peace be still. And the waves were calmed, and the wind died down, and the storm broke up. That's a miracle. And that displays God's power. But there are other miracles that are on display as well. And healing is a definition that comes under this category of miracles. Healing is called this. It says the ability to call on God for the curing of illness and the restoration of health in a supernatural way. I would say healing is something that only God can heal. That's what the gift of healing is. Healing something that only God can heal. And we're going to dive into this one in particular as it relates to this passage of Scripture because we're going to see some things related to miracles and healing specifically in this part of the gospel. So if you would, again, open up to the gospel according to Luke. Chapter 5, beginning at verse 17, and follow along as I read. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, what are you think, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Remarkable things. Remarkable, powerful things on display within this story. But I want you to pay attention to some things within this story that illustrate why the gifts of healing and miracles and other gifts of power are so important and what they point to. First of all, in this room where Jesus is healing many, people are coming to hear him speak, hear him share from his heart, 
And it says that in many places, Jesus was healing many who were coming to see him. And these men are carrying their dear friend on a mat because he can't move. He is paralyzed. We don't know how long he's been paralyzed, but we know that these friends genuinely love him because they're willing to carry him from wherever he is on a mat just to get him to Jesus. They want to get him to Jesus. And they come to the door, and there's no room. There's no way to get in. So many people are in there to have an experience and an encounter in the presence of Jesus that there's no way they can get into the room. Wouldn't that be a cool problem to have? So when they see that they can't get in the room, they don't give up. They don't lose faith. They say, look, if we can't get in through the door, we're going to go in through the roof. And they go up top and they clear open a hole and they lower this man down right in front of Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? Jesus talking away when slowly this man is being lowered down from the ceiling. I think people would start to mumble, what on earth is going on? And Jesus sees this and he looks up and sees these friends of him lowering this man down with a look in their eyes of, Jesus, please, please, Jesus, would you heal him? And it says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. And in seeing their faith, what's the first thing that Jesus does? He heals the man and he goes home. No! What's the first thing he does? in seeing their faith. Friends, your sins are forgiven. And there's the first miracle. And the most important miracle of all. And those who were with Jesus, those Pharisees and teachers of the law, were so offended that Jesus would dare to say that he could forgive sins because God alone can forgive sins, which, by the way, is absolutely true. Only God can forgive sins. Nobody else can. No priest, no pastor, no friend, nobody else can forgive your sins. But Jesus can because Jesus is God. And in order to show that that is the authority in which he forgave sins, he looked to this man and said, all right, rise up and walk. Because which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? And he did. And those who were watching said, we have seen remarkable things here today. Friends, we have been talking about some remarkable things today, but we've been talking about some remarkable things throughout this entire sermon series. Gifts that may have you going, oh, wow, those things are incredible. I'm sure glad that somebody else has them. Or maybe thinking to yourself, you know what? There's just no way that any of those gifts could have anything to do with me. I mean, why on earth would God want to use somebody like me to display his power through? Why would he want to use me to do anything that would bring glory to him? And it's because of this. It's because of this first 
miracle. Because friends, the greatest miracle is the grace of God received by faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And it is something that every one of you has received who has said to Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I put my absolute trust in you for my salvation and for new life. If you have said that and declared that before the Lord, you are a miracle. And a miracle has happened in your life. The greatest miracle of all. A gift of faith has been planted into your heart by the Holy Spirit so that you can cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me. And he does. And he will. All of these gifts point to this one gift. The gift of salvation. The gift of faith in the one who saves you. They all point to Jesus. They all point to him. They point to the character of God and the purposes of Jesus in this world. To declare the forgiveness of sins. To declare freedom to those who are trapped Healing to those who are broken. A new day to those who need a fresh start. And this is the purpose of the body of Christ. This is why we need these gifts. So that we can be built up in the places that God wants us to go fulfill his mission. And it's a serious mission, friends. It's the same mission that we have as a church. It should always be, which is to be and make disciples of Jesus. The way you become a disciple is by receiving the free gift of God's salvation for you. That starts the journey. As we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then taught to obey everything that he has commanded. And the only way we can obey is through the faith that God has given us as a gift. Friends, this is the gift. It's the gift of grace. Everything points there. And every other gift is meant to give glory to God, the one who gives that gift to anyone who will receive it. To anyone who will humble themselves and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this without you. There's so much more that can be said about these gifts, friends. And I promise you, we will have a time where we will have some separate teaching, where we will go over in more detail how God works in these gifts and answer some of those questions that linger in people's minds all the time about these gifts. But let me address one quickly as I prepare to close here today. When we talk about the gift of healing, and when we see this individual within the Bible who God forgives and then heals of his malady, the question that pops up in any thinking person's mind is, how come I haven't been healed? I've been praying for my whole life for this disease to be healed, for this child to be restored. For this ailment within those who I love 
to be completely cured and done away with? Why hasn't God healed me? And friends, it points right back to this gift of God's grace. Because here's the thing that we must always remember. This man who was healed of his paralysis, some day later, he died. Lazarus, who was raised from the dead by a miracle of Jesus, later on, he died. Every person who has ever been healed on this side of eternity has or will eventually die. Their body will give out and give up on this side of eternity. So where is our hope in healing? Our hope is in the fact that on the other side of eternity, the one that is promised to us by grace in Jesus Christ, every illness and every disease and every broken heart and broken body will be made whole and will be restored to exactly the pattern that God has desired from the beginning of creation. That is the promise. Do we pray for healing in this life? Absolutely. Do we believe that God can and does heal on this side of eternity? Without question. And do we trust and know that no matter what has happened on this side of eternity, there is a God in heaven who comes to restore all things. And he will bring that wholeness to completion at the return of Jesus Christ. And we pray today, Lord, Maranatha, come soon. The life of our church is at stake. This is what we need, is God's Holy Spirit to come and be with us. So before I pray, let me give you some next steps right here today. Number one, we're going to have some prayer that's going to take place at the end of the service today. We now have it twice a month, on the first Sunday and third Sunday of the month. There are people who stand right over here waiting for anyone to come and receive prayer. Now maybe you have been hesitant because you've thought, well, you know what, that just isn't for me. Or perhaps you've been discouraged because you've said, I've had these things prayed for over and over and over again, and nothing seems to ever change. Friends, by faith, step forward today and have somebody pray for you and pray with you and trust and know that God hears and that he loves you and that in his grace, he meets you right in that place through faith in him. So that's number one. And number two, there's an inventory. <laughs> and you've got information about it that's right inside of your bulletin. It's on a little sheet of paper. Looks just like this. We want you to do a spiritual gifts inventory so that you can discover what these gifts are for you and how God wants to utilize those gifts within our body for its building up for the purposes and mission of Christ out in the world. So take time. Take this home with you if you can't do it here today. And if you have questions or concerns, there will be people right out at the desk waiting to help you do this inventory today before you leave. These are the gifts that God has given to us. The life of our church is at stake. Let's trust in the one who has promised new life and eternal life to every one of us. Amen.
Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all of these gifts because, Lord, we know that they point to you as the giver. And before anything else, Lord, we trust that you are good and that your mercies endure forever and that whatever it is you desire for us to have, Lord, you give to us out of the goodness of your heart, out of your mercy and your love, out of your character. Lord, we receive them with grateful hearts today. We ask that each person here, Lord, would call out to you to receive exactly what it is that you have for them today, Lord. Starting today, Jesus, with offering themselves humbly before you to say, Lord, heal me, forgive me, bring me into eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.